Church, Charlotte. God bless you all. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you for opening the word of the Lord with us that we can grow together and be made stronger through the understanding of scripture. And we are going to get started. We are continuing in our journey through the gospel of Mark. And I am going to be reading at verse number 27 of chapter number 11. If you have your Bibles on your on your lap, um, and we're going to read verses 27 to 33. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as Jesus was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question. Then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, Jesus will say, Why then do you not believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet in indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do, I do these things. Uh, this is uh, like so many passages in the scripture. Um, this is uh, so instructive and so uh, powerful. Uh, I find myself wanting to read it, reread it, consider it. Because whenever we speak about spiritual authority, I think all of us slow down a little bit and reflect upon the seriousness of the subject. I don't think any God-fearing person, any Bible-respecting person can casually have a conversation about spiritual authority and be flip about it in their heart. It is such an important, necessary foundational subject that I think, again, any God-fearing person uh, finds it incumbent upon themselves to take it seriously. It leads to a larger question, and that is, um, do we understand spiritual authority? Are we living uh, in spiritual authority? Are our hearts and lives in some way submitted to spiritual authority. Uh, it's a quite heavy, quite serious subject. And I want to prompt all of you now, as we go, if you have questions and you would like to type them into the text, uh, text uh, chat area, uh, I try to end by answering those, those questions. Um, authority is something that is uh, not just a New Testament idea. Um, it, it's not just a gospel's idea, nor is it just an epistles or a pastoral idea. Authority is very much, from Genesis to Revelations, a necessary uh, foundation upon which to build anything you do. And Jesus knows this is the weekend of his passion. Jesus knows this is the weekend that they will come for him. Uh, and he 
is unwilling to be taunted by them. And he doesn't entertain their questions. He simply seeks to show them something they don't know in the hope that facing their ignorance will grow within them humility. It's kind of like saying, if you don't even know how to open the hood, you probably shouldn't worry about rebuilding the transmission. He asks them a question that's not about their question. It's about their ignorance. What do you do when the Lord humbles you? That's, the, that's an important issue. But here's the answer. They're not afraid of God. They're afraid of man. They're not afraid of God. They're afraid of man. The only reason why they withhold their true belief that John was an insignificant preacher on the edge of temple life with no real credence or import and he troubled the temple for just a few years and then was locked up ultimately to be a martyr. Um, they thought him of no account, but they feared the people. This is, this is such, there's layers here. And uh, you guys know how I can go down rabbit holes on layers. So let me apologize in advance if I go down any of these rabbit holes. The question for Jesus is, Presented the question from Jesus presented to them is a question of of authority. Even today, with us an established canon, authority matters. Um, why do I say it that way? Even today, with the gift of an established canon, in other words, authorized scripture, spiritual authority matters. It's not as though once the Bible was finished being brought together by supernatural protection and providence, uh, now authority doesn't matter. Authority absolutely matters. I don't have time for it in this Bible study, but that's why the Apostle Paul talks so much about knowing who your father in the faith is, knowing who your elder is, knowing who birthed you, uh, not, not being turned astray by those who um, are boy leaders, among you, uh, but have not fathered you in this gospel. Authority matters. Now, whenever a pastor teaches on this subject, to be completely transparent, it sounds as though we're we're patting ourselves on the back and trying to uh, raise our power. Well, I've pastored for <laughs> a pretty good chunk of years now. I'm 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 unfortunately going on 24 years of pastoring. The first thing I want to do is disabuse you of any idea that pastors have um, the kind of power that is satisfying to the lust of the flesh. Um, the idea that the pastor is some, I know there are, there are abuses and there are some churches that feel very oppressive, but in a healthy life giving grace culture church, pastoring feels a whole lot more like service than it does authority. So should we forget about authority? Am I patting myself on the back in some roundabout ecclesiastical way? Uh, am I, you know, is that what's happening here? Let me say it this way, just in case 
you think that a pastor speaking on authority um, is a way of uh, patting himself on the back. If you cannot accept my role in your life as being capable of capable of speaking with the pastoral pastoral voice, um, then you need to find a pastor who can speak with authority in your life. What is the difference? A pastoral's voice is a voice that you take seriously and you hesitate to critique because they have credibility with you. And even when you wonder if they're making a mistake, you trust their heart. And if I don't have that place in in your heart, um, there is no right church where the preacher is a life coach. Um, I, I like so many pastors, I, I seek the Lord over no one, but let me sum it all up by saying this. Authority matters. You need spiritual authority in your life. I need spiritual authority in my life. Uh, that, that's right. Um, there is a protection in it. Who speaks to you where you do not immediately argue, debate, or even defend yourself, but you say, I trust this voice enough that I hear it as a shepherd and not a stranger. So if uh, I'm not the one to speak with you, quit playing make-believe church and find a pastor who you respect. All right, moving. Authority matters. Jesus brings this issue to a head here in Mark chapter number 11 when he asked this question. Uh, if you'll answer me, I'll answer you. By what authority? Uh, I'll answer you by what authority I do these works. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Where does our authority come from? Where does our spiritual authority come from? Now, as believers, all of you strong believers, all you churchgoers, you need to be able to answer without too much hesitation or gathering of yourself. All authority and all power has been given to Jesus. You need to be able to have that on the short list of scriptures, why you live the way you do, why you pray in the name of Jesus, why when you're the one in risk, the first name that springs from your lips is Jesus. When your car is sliding in the rain, it's Jesus. When your child is receiving a bad report from a doctor, it's Jesus. All authority. Uh, Matthew 28, verse number 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay, but in the structure of the church, how does that authority descend? Is there a special hierarchy of insiders, uh, a kind of priesthood of sorts? No, we believe in the universal priesthood of the believer. There needs to be no secondary mediator between you and God as if Jesus wasn't good enough, as though he offered us an incomplete work. No, and again I say, yet, no. Nine, it's Jesus is enough. We believe in the universal priesthood of the believer. That does not mean we do not have pastors, teachers, evangelists, mentors, fathers, even mothers in the faith. Um, what that means is he's as close as the mention of his name. 
This is where if I was preaching, I'd make you give me a big amen. He's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus, however, delegated authority to the apostles. It was through this direct connection of Jesus to the apostles, the apostles to the New Testament church, and subsequent revival or spiritual awakening would be more accurate that would spring up. Uh, It was from Jesus to the apostles. Let me read uh, John 13, and we'll read it verse number uh, 20. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, he who receives, receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. The Lord reserves the right to anoint chosen vessels and to appoint them to works of spiritual honor and yes, authority. And he gives them in a spiritual way and in a spiritual context, context which they have to take care with. It does not give them a get out of jail free card to claim authority from the Lord and then to go around and make a general uh, embarrassment of themselves. Um, However, when a person of humility and anointing is sent, the Lord is with him or her, he or she, who is sent. They become, let me say it differently, you can, through anointing, you can become an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reading 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. I love Paul stated that not as a declarative referring to him or a few, but as a collective. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. So the Lord anoints men and women of faith to purpose. And we are sent in his word, in his anointing and power, and in his spirit. We have both the power of spiritual gifts, and we have the kindness, the harmlessness, the love and charity of spiritual fruit of his spirit. And so authority, all authority to Jesus, then through faith, calling and anointing to those whom the Lord would sent. And he promised those people that the spirit would quicken them. The spirit, the ones who are sent, the spirit would remind them of what he had taught and guide them into all truth. Jesus speaking to the disciples, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will speak He will tell you things to come. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we become anointed, empowered, called, and sent, and we speak with Christ's authority. Where is all authority sourced? Not in me, not in you. It's in Jesus. But Jesus has given us a promise 
of his anointing, his power, his presence. This is one of the reasons why I would like to challenge all you guys who have served the Lord for more than a minute. <laughs> Fair warning, guilt trip incoming. You guys who have, have served the Lord for more than a minute, you need to step up your boldness. You need to be a little more quick to speak, not in rebuke, not in anger, but to speak in kindness, love, faith, promise, pour your heart out upon them. You're not speaking for yourself. You're speaking for the Lord. Uh, and this is why, hear me, you notice how I've, Christ, the apostles, the promise of Christ's presence with them. This is why it is important. Don't miss this. We continue in the apostles' doctrine. That's why this is important. We continue in the apostles' doctrine. That's why you will hear us uh, talk about a desire and a passion to be apostolic. It's just a fancy churchified way of saying we want to continue in the apostles' doctrine. It matters. It matters to continue in the apostles' doctrine. Um, that is both in instruction, manifestation, power, miraculous demonstration. Uh, it is incumbent upon us to continue in the apostles' the apostles' doctrine. Um, again, we're talking about where authority comes from. All authority is in Christ. He promises he will speak through the apostles. He will instruct them. You will notice the care with which the apostle Paul took to draw a direct connection between himself and the Lord and the Lord appearing to him. Why would he do that? Why would he make an effort to talk about how the Lord appeared to him? It, he almost it matters so much to him that if you read it. It almost sounds defensive on his part, as though he's worried somebody's going to think he's just making this up. And it just keeps him up at night that anyone would think he's just making this up. That's the kind of preacher I want to be. I don't want I, it, it should bother me when I when I take away from the scripture, when I add to the to the scripture. It should, it should bother me. I'm not doing this in my own authority. If I'm going to stand in my authority, I need to go start a business or something. I, I have to stand in the authority of Jesus Christ that was carried through the preaching ministry and church building of the apostles. So it's incumbent upon me and you to continue in the apostles, the apostles doctrine. We trace our authority back to Jesus Christ. Now that's our goal. That is our declaration of spiritual theological dependence. We stand not in our own authority, we don't stand in our own sentiment, our own logic, our own emotionalism. We stand drawing directly from the source of Jesus Christ. Okay, I want to settle that, make sure we all agree on that. Thank you in advance. Um, now let's talk about how we can get that wrong. Is it possible that we can be very religious and not live lives of desperate passion to stand in the authority of Christ? Is it possible for us to look to other things to give us credibility? Is it possible for me as a preacher to look toward other sources and be reassured because of what they did or they said? I'm okay because is that possible? Would I still feel religious doing that or would that feel different? Is there a warning? Well, let me give you some examples of how to get it wrong because you know I do that. 
the first, the first, probably most common example of us getting it wrong um, would be when we derive our authority from what the majority thinks. What motivates us is how many people watch agree with us. Now, this is what religion typically draws authority from a society of a preconceived acceptance, a preconceived acceptance that we all agree upon, and then we judge one another in the interpretation, not in the convincing. Uh, This is the society in which the Pharisees are living, and this is why Jesus if one with one question slices through their pretentious question as though he had one of those samurai swords, he had one of those laser sabers, he just slices right through it and leaves both halves of their argument steaming in front of him. They are drawing their authority from a majority. Uh, if you allow that to happen, you will find yourself very much living a life of pretend spirituality. You will be living a life very much of pretend righteousness. Um, You'll dress differently uh, in one context than another, not because of social appropriateness, and let's be honest, um, we better dress socially appropriate or we destroy our testimony. Come on, let's not be simple. Um, But you'll find a different motivation. You will dress a certain way to make someone think you're spiritual or you'll talk a certain way when you're at church, but when you're at work, no one will know you're a Christian. You'll be like the CIA. (laughs) You remember the silly joke about the guy, he only comes to church uh, very, very rarely. And uh, the pastor got on to him when he was shaking hands at the end of the service, says, I never see you around here. And he said, I'm in the CIA, Christians in Action. I can't show my face around here. Too many people are in the CIA. (laughs) And so uh, that you talk religious at church, but at work, nobody knows you're a Christian. You're doing something for the majority. Now, sometimes it's pride, but sometimes it's reassurance. The disciples are looking for the opinion of the crowd. Um, If you would have been in Noah's day, you wouldn't have been inside the ark because everyone thought what Moses was doing was crazy. If you would have been in Joshua's day, you would have died in the wilderness. Why? Because everybody you know said those, we're like grasshoppers to those giants. We cannot reassure ourselves by the numerical count of voices saying something. I want to know what Jesus is saying. Yes, it is very religious to live a pretentious faith uh, with an artificial righteousness. Um, That's not where the authority is. Not for me, not for you. And we have to care about the authority that is in Christ Jesus flowed to the apostles and continues through us through the apostolic doctrine. Uh, you can care a lot about sentimentality or what your parents did. I know people who will see a theological truth but won't change churches because their grandparents went to this church. They'll agree. You can show it to them. I've had this experience. You show it to them in the scripture, um, but they 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 won't leave the a religion of their uh, of their traditions. And I want to say it's easy for us to look down our nose at them, but let me tell you, there's there's some of us that we know the 
we know, so we don't need to act like we're better than we are. Um, pressure and sentiment and reassurance. There's a reason when I pray, I don't play new songs. Why? Because I have a sentiment in me. I have a feeling. I'm an emotional person. Um, I don't I don't pray with the newest song. Some of them I do. Some of the new ones are amazing. But a lot of, I, I, you understand what I'm saying? Sentiment matters to me too. But I do not get authority from sentiment. I like the sound of my grandma praying too, but I can't get authority from that. Third, and this is bringing it close to home. Um, you, it's important that you seek to understand the scriptures. I don't mean you need to try to have a PhD in theology, et cetera, et cetera. I just mean you, you need to know the word that the preacher is presenting enough where you, you, you need to have trust in your preacher, but your authority is not coming from the preacher. I'm the preacher. The authority is coming through me. It's not from me. Uh, and so I, uh, I encourage, and that's one of the reasons why I, I love, you know, doing Bible studies like this, where we go kind of in a systematic or even a line by line um, manner of, of, of teaching. I've, I've loved going through the gospel of Mark for that, for that very reason. Um, let me tell you the truth about preachers. And I know this, you thought I patted myself on the back earlier. So now let me give myself a, a good uh, check. Okay. Um, the Bible talks about the blind leading the blind. <laughs> um, and how does it, how does, uh, how is that context given? Well, I'll tell you how it's given. Um, I don't know if you're ready for this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. The disciples ask exactly, how do we handle the Pharisees? What, what do we do with the Pharisees? And Jesus said, ignore them, ignore them. In other words, don't rescue people who don't want to be rescued. Ignore them. Let them do the, what they do. And then he says, this passage, the blind lead the blind, and they both fall into the ditch. I want you to care about scripture. I mean, I want to bring the scripture to you. And I, I do. I want to get it right. I, I, I really do. Um, but I want you to know the scripture um, because it's possible uh, that even people of learning can, can go astray. And uh, the authority is not from the preacher, the priest, the Bible study teacher, or the evangelist. The authority is from the apostolic doctrine the word of God given to us. Uh, another false source of reassurance is creeds and traditions. Um, sure, they can be a part of your cultural inheritance, whether they are infant baptism or uh, sprinkling or certain types of denominationalism, uh, adherence to creeds. Um, <laughs> I think I repeat myself, but let me repeat myself. Our authority comes from Jesus Christ. He is our truth. He did not teach us how to find the truth. Jesus is our truth. He did not show us how to build a way. He is our way. It's that literal. Our authority comes from Jesus Christ. Don't let some critic who goes in the Old Testament find some horrible story that is very possibly uh, misunderstood, if not biblically, then culturally. And then they say, oh, because of this, you shouldn't believe in the Bible. Now, wait a minute. You can find 17 stories in the Old Testament to make 17 people cuss you out. I don't care. Show me something bad about Jesus. Show me something he did. 
Because Jesus is God giving up on imperfect humanity to give it right. He got so frustrated with humanity, he quit trying. And 400 years of God quit trying happened. And finally, a star shone over Bethlehem. Mary had a baby. The angels sang. The shepherds showed up. Tell me something Jesus did bad. Tell me somebody Jesus hurt. My authority is derived through the apostles all the way back to Jesus. And if I preach Jesus, I stand in his authority. All right. Creeds and traditions are not a replacement for apostolic doctrine. Uh, Here's another one. Very, very popular. Um, Your conscience. Just do what your conscience tells you. Uh, The apostle Paul uh, made this point uh, in Acts chapter number 23. And and he said, I'll read it. Uh, Paul looking earnestly at the council, uh, said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Well, there's a problem with that. There was a time when he persecuted the church, uh, hurt believers. But at that time, he thought he was doing, God conscience is not enough. You can have a good conscience and be doing evil things. In fact, historically, the way to make people feel good about doing evil things is to retell them a story of how the God, their God, their theology is somehow completed by the evil they do. Um, Conscience isn't enough. We need to go back to what Jesus said. We need to go back to what Jesus did. We need to go back to the apostolic doctrine given to us uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Human wisdom is not enough. Now, I'll confess, I, I really love philosophy. Um, my favorite, my favorite set of lectures of all time is 50 lectures on, uh, uh, history of philosophy. And I have listened to it an embarrassing amount of times, like double digit. That's the only nerd confession I'm going to make. I like philosophy. I enjoy people trying to figure out, to understand, to wrestle with. I I do. I'm full confession. Talk bad about me later. Um, but here's a problem. An appeal to human reason is always limited by a glass ceiling of that human's justice. And there is no justice in the human hand. So you're limited by your talents. It's like asking me to sing lead. I'll give it the best shot, but it's limited by my talent. I can only do what I can do. Um, Justice is a target that humanity can't really see. We can only just say it's kind of in that way. And then we just, you know, shoot off in that direction. We can't, only God knows justice. And that's the problem with human wisdom. Uh, You take it as far as you can, and then you do what? You submit. I don't have time to teach on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. After you've taken your knowledge as far as as you can, you better submit to something. So what are you going to submit to? I choose God, best represented when he gave up on imperfect humanity and came to demonstrate his self to us, incarnate in the flesh. All right, moving along. Uh, here is probably the most common one uh, that I have been exposed to that most often misleads well-intended church people. Um, and that is following feelings, an emotional standard of, author- of authority. Uh, the Bible repeatedly warns against that. Um, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. 
uh, Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in his own heart. Seems like the Bible has an opinion about your heart. Maybe it's deceitful and desperately wicked. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be what? Delivered. How about Jeremiah 10 and 23? Oh Lord, I know the way of a man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Here's the problem with feeling. Feeling is the most common error, in my opinion. I'm not speaking for the Lord here, speaking for myself. Appeal to feeling is the most common error that otherwise well-intended spiritual people make. I have had literally scores of people come up to me, announce a big decision, and tell me they felt and then dot, 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 dot. They felt dot, 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 dot. They felt dot, dot, dot. They felt. <clears throat> I can count on one hand the people who have come up to me and say, I have been studying the scripture. <laughs> Sorry if that's an inside joke. Um, that's a, the most common mistake we make is a mistake of feeling. Um, so that's a whole Bible study in itself. But let me tell you this, when you are following feelings, which admittedly we have to do, we have to follow feelings. There is no future for any of us where we do not navigate a forest of feelings, where we do not surf the waves of our emotion. You can't stop the waves. You can get to be a better surfer, but you can't stop the waves. Uh, there's no future without emotion. So we have to solve this problem. Um, I, because I don't have time to do this tonight, let me start by saying this. Firstly, dearly beloved, <laughs> firstly, when following feelings, slow down, seek counsel, pray more. Slow down, seek counsel, pray more. If it's of God, it'll still be there when the feelings change. In order for you to experience the word of God in a different emotional state, you have to be patient. If you will not follow the word of God from one emotional state into the next and still test the word that you think you've received in a different emotional state, the probability of you making a really, really uh, large error of self-harm in some way is quite large. If it's a word from God, it should still be there when the tears stop or the tears start. It should still be there when the song changes. It should still be there when the season of your life changes. The word of God is steady. It's you and I that are bouncing all over the place. All right, I got to wrap up. I'm going too long. I'm getting ready to quit. Um, <clears throat> that's enough. Uh, let's just stop there. I was going to talk a little bit about um, the uh, the primacy of the New Testament over the Old and the care with which we have to interpret the Old Testament through the New um, because, and my, I'll just sum it up by saying this, our authority is not in the Old Testament. It's in Jesus. Jesus is from the Old Testament to Revelations. Uh, I feel this urge to explain myself more. Is Jesus in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Is he in the uh, from front to back? Absolutely. But there is no higher primacy of words spoken that is given to us as gospel than the life, the ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, we can say it like this. Ye are complete 
in him. So, uh, all right, I, I think that's enough. I've, I've gone on here for uh, 37 minutes, and I see that I've done such an amazing job of clarity that I don't have any, any questions. Um, how uh, I, I have a question that was asked to me earlier today, so I want to end with that. And while I'm ending with that, if you want to, if you want to give you a moment to type something you perhaps haven't typed yet, uh, asked earlier to me today um, was the question: If I have, if I, what if I have two voices in my life and I respect both of them, um, but they seem to be giving me opposite advice? What, what do I do? Uh, and it was a fair question, and I thought about it. Uh, for a quick second, and I said, I, I gave a quick answer, but then um, <laughs> I thought about it a little while, and I I was pretty much satisfied um, with it, which is pretty rare for me. I usually will overthink it three times. So, if you have two voices and you respect both of them in your life, who do you listen to? Um, I would say this. Um, voices are coming from roles. People in your life have roles and the voices are not of equal importance. Um, this is very, very hard to live out because you will have voices that are giving you what you want to hear. Um, and I, and me too, I'll have voices I want to hear. And if I'm not careful, I will follow, I will mix the voice of the moment with the emotion of the moment and then wonder why I have dug myself, uh, a hole in which to fall. Um, I've done that. I'm a living witness of that. Um, think hard and long before you choose against the voice of the role in your life of a pastor. God knows where you are planted. God knows. I'm not saying pastors don't make mistakes. I'm just saying, um, yeah, you shouldn't rush to that one. God knows where you're planted. God knows who the tender, the caretaker of your vineyard is. And in the same manner, God can convict you if that pastor makes a mistake, unless they just have a malevolent spirit, um, they usually will have some correction in their spirit. The Lord will correct them. Um, I have lived that so many times. And so um, all voices are not speaking with the same authority in your life. God knows the roles he has placed over you. God did not accidentally place you in church. God did not accidentally invest you in the vineyard you are in. God placed you. So there are voices that you should care about. I want to end, let me end with this personal example. You guys know I'm a cancer survivor and I had, when I was, when I was on chemotherapy, um, I had a, I had hundreds of voices speaking to me. I got a call on a regular basis. For a while, I, I believe I got more than one call a day, and then it kind of you know petered out. But um, for a while there, I was getting call after call after call. And one day, there, there was a, a, a man who called me, and um, I had had a, a lot of respect for him, a tremendous amount of respect for him. In fact, he had been involved at one phase of me actually feeling like I had a call of God on my life. And he called me up, and he spoke some things over me that did not it messed me up, full, full disclosure. He told me that the reason why I had gotten sick was because of the parts of the country I had been preaching in. 
and that there was a spirit in those part of the, of the country and that the churches that I had been at were entertaining uh, evil spirits. And uh, the reason why I got sick is because I had been preaching down there. So here I am, I'm 29 years old. I'm tired. I'm more than a little bit cynical. I'm more than a little bit bitter. I know you guys would never feel that way, but I'm, I'm weaker than you are. And I have this voice of authority in my life that I've been respect, respecting, um, speaking these things over me. And it messed me up. I'm not going to lie. It messed me up. It, it, when I say messed me up, I, I won't explain all that. I'll just, I'll just say it messed me up. Um, and I went to pray about it. And uh, the only thing I remember the Lord giving me because I had this memory of him being involved, that man being involved in a stage of my calling. And the, 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 the Lord asked me, had I been listening to the stable voices in my life, or was I listening to all the voices in my life? And I didn't hear it as an audible voice, but it was like an awareness that kind of came to me all in a, a breath. Um, whenever voices are adding to confusion, that's your standard not helping you. In other words, you have enough confusion all by yourself. Thank you in advance. Go forth, thou art healed. You have enough confusion. <laughs> you have trouble sufficient for the day. You don't need to seek more trouble. Um, when voices are adding to your confusion, it's time for you to edit your inputs and ask God, what have been the flourishing voices in my life? What have been the life-giving voices in my life? What have been the stable voices in my life? Where has growth come from? And the moment that came into me, like just a, a deep breath, just, I realized I had permission to ignore, ignore confusing voices because although there were always confusing voices and they continued, trust me, I could tell you some stories. The Lord also put stability in my life. And it was a learning moment for me to find stability. That's enough. I love you all. That's a lot of things to think about. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we are praying that you would give us spiritual guidance. We are praying that you would direct our step. We are praying that you would lead us, guide us. It's so easy for us to grow in uh, or allow confusion to grow in our lives and be overwhelmed by things and the cacophony of voices. And then we wonder why the first victim of our confusion is our spiritual purpose and calling. The first thing that dies in confusion is our purpose. And we wander away from the field and we stumble back to the table and we're like, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. If we could keep a laser-like focus on the mission, the calling, the purpose, and identify voices of confusion in our life. Some of those most dangerous voices of confusion in our life are our own voice, our own vanities, our own comparing ourselves one with another, our own unhealthy competitions and lusts of the flesh, pride of life. Lord Jesus, we need clarity. We need spiritual clarity. Help us to hold tight to spiritual authority. Not to be turned left or right, but to stand upon the apostolic doctrine 
and be blessed by it in Jesus' name. Be with us by your power, I pray. And I thank you for that today. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Um, quick update. Tomorrow night, Pastor Don will be doing uh, Word. Uh, you can find the links to that Bible study on the website. Uh, early prayer Thursday and Friday. You, the links to that are on the website. Um, this coming Sunday, uh, we have our regular schedule, three services, 9, 15, and 11 at First Church in Charlotte. Uh, directions on the website. Uh, and 2 p.m. in Concord at Christ Community Church at the end of Reuben Linker Road. You can search Christ Community Church Concord and you will find all the information there. We love you. Remember to pray uh, for Sister Carol, the terrible ac accent, uh, or accident, not an accent, but a terrible accident. And we pray the Lord would be with her. God bless you. We love you all. Have a great week. I'll turn your mics back on so you can greet one another as you leave. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.